a good week this week? It's always a good week. Praise God. It is so good to have you guys here. For those of you that don't know me, I'm Pastor Jose. I'm the lead pastor here. And today, I want to just uh, jump right in and share some thoughts with you directly from God's Word. Um, For those of you that have been here for a while, you've heard me say this, but I just want to continually stress this, that we're here to listen to God's Word. not here to pump you up. I'm not here to massage your feelings. I'm not here to give you a feel good, you know, you know, uh, uh, kind of wishy-washy thing. We want to listen to what God's word says. Not my opinion, not a denominational approach. We're listening to God's word. Amen? Amen. That's important. That's very important. And so we've been on a series over the last several weeks now entitled Above the Clouds. Again? Yes, again. There is a lot to learn from the kingdom of God. A lot to learn. Acts chapter 1 verse 3 tells us that Jesus, the very first thing he did when he presented himself to the the apostles, to the disciples, was that he taught them about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. So it's important for us to get that perspective. And so over the last several weeks, we've been learning about the kingdom of God. And the truth is that we can all live above life's circumstances. And the key to that is in the kingdom. Matthew 16, verse 19, the words of Jesus. Jesus says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I want you to consider something that those keys that Jesus is talking about isn't some keys that jingle on your hip. He's talking about authority. He's talking about his empowerment for heaven to infiltrate every area of your life. You know what those keys also represent? That all that the kingdom of God makes available is yours. It's available to you. You know, I don't know about you, but I grew up with this mindset that I had to work my way into heaven. That I had to work my way into a right relationship with God. That I had to behave my way into the kingdom of God. Only problem with that thinking is that if it's dependent upon what we do, what do you need Jesus for? What do you need his mercy and his grace for? What do you need his sacrifice for if it's based upon your sacrifices? And so this kingdom makes everything available to us. It's free. And yes, it's for me and for you. And so you were created to experience life according to the ways of God's kingdom. And the truth is that we can never fulfill our assignment in life outside of God's kingdom system. What are you talking about, Pastor Jose? There's God's way of doing things, and then there's this world's way of doing things. Let me, let me bring it a little bit closer home. There's God's way of doing things, and then there's the way that you think, that I think it should be. There's what God teaches us, and then there's the stuff that has jacked us up that we were taught. Hey, by the way, that also includes what we've been taught in religion sometimes. I grew up thinking that God had a thunderbolt in his hand and I was the one that was meant to get struck every time. He was the hammer and I was the nail. That's what religion will do to you. Religion will, will teach you that somehow you're not good enough for God. Well, if you weren't good enough, then why would he pay the price for you and I? Well, I'm messing with somebody here today. Listen, so recently I was, I was loaned a book a couple of weeks back by a friend. And I haven't read it yet, but the, the title itself 
really just had me thinking for weeks. So much so that I had to kind of dig into the word more. It's called The Butterfly Effect, this book. I haven't read it yet. But the title alone got me thinking about the predicament that we're all in in life. Listen, like the butterfly, our lives are very telling if we just examine the makeup and the nature of a butterfly. How we were created and how we become what we were created for. Let me tell you what I mean here. A butterfly doesn't start off by looking like one. It doesn't start off by look, as a butterfly. It doesn't look like one. And if you were me as a kid, you thought it was something else and you were pulling it and squishing it and taking legs off. And Okay, you guys never did that. You guys, you guys are holy rollers. I'm, my bad. I'm sorry, Jesus Jr. Um, I was that kid, right? Um, but anyway, a butterfly doesn't start off that way. It begins its life cycle in a stage that doesn't uh, resemble in any way its purpose. It starts off as a caterpillar. And in that stage of life, it's a restricted state for this butterfly. I'll tell you why. Because it's most prone to prey by its limits that slow it, that, that cause it to be slow and crawl by nature. Right? It's selfish. Let me tell you why it's selfish. Because as a caterpillar, caterpillars are consumed with one thing. Eating. They're consumed with feeding themselves. That's all they do, right? It's about fulfilling its own appetite. And the thing about it is that as a, caterp- as a caterpillar, it exists between the world of what is and what can be. Where I am and where I'm supposed to be. Now, I pray that at this moment, you're starting to relate what we're going to be talking about to your life today. Because the truth is that we all find ourselves at various stages of growth in life. And part of that process of growing up is going from where I am to where I know I'm supposed to be. To going from what I'm experiencing to who I really am in Christ. Today we're going to be talking about change. Let me talk about change. We're going to be talking about change. And specifically, we're going to be talking about how change is possible in God's kingdom. Change is possible in God's kingdom. Now, I know that, I, that this topic relates to all of us because none of us has arrived. None of us has it completely all together. None of us has figured it out. And if you have, please come on up here. You're hired And teach us how you got there. Because none of us has arrived. Even Paul himself says, listen, I haven't arrived. But this one thing I do, I press towards the mark of the high calling. You know what Paul was talking about? I haven't arrived. But I understand that I have to keep going in this process of change towards what I am in Christ. And let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. Like the caterpillar. There is something greater at work in you that is looking to be manifested through your life. You were created to soar in life as a child of God. You were not meant to be stuck in life. 
That is not God's will. That is not God's purposes. The challenges that you're going through, the, ch- the struggles that you deal with, the, the habits and the hangups and the imperfections that you face daily and that you beat yourself up about, none of those things define who you are. Amen. But if you don't get around to discovering who God says you are, you'll never really soar. You won't grow. You won't move past where you are. And so today I'd like to start by turning in our Bibles to the book of John chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. And what we're going to be looking at is an occasion where Jesus has an encounter with a man who's stuck between two worlds. He's stuck between the place of where he is and what he's experienced and what he's come to believe and what is possible. What comes with the kingdom. So starting at John chapter 5, verse 1, it says that afterwards Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holidays. Inside the city near the Sheep Gate was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, and paralyzed, they lay on porches, on the porches. And one of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? I want you to think about this for a moment. Jesus finds this guy, God in the form of a man, finds this person amongst many people, hurting, sickly, struggling. And he asks him a question. Do you want to be made well? I'll tell you why I point that out. Because Jesus wasn't bringing, he wasn't asking it like if he didn't know the answer. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. He wasn't asking it like if it wasn't his will to do that. And I want you to consider this question this morning. Do you want to be made well? Now, I'm not implying that there's anything wrong with you. I'm not saying that you're paralyzed and limp like this guy was, as we'll see. But what I am saying is that if you find yourself in a place in life, if you've found yourself in a place in life, or when you find yourself in a place in life that you're stuck, just remember what Jesus told him that he tells us. Do you want to be made well? You want to move past this? Somebody needed to hear that this morning. And so this man replies, he says, I can't, sir, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets gets there ahead of me. Now, if you study this out, what you'll see is that what, would, what was happening here is that these waters would all of a sudden be stirred up by an angel. And the people would scurry. And whoever was the first one to get in there would be healed. And so what, what you have is this environment of a bunch of people wanting change, wanting healing, wanting to move past the current state that they're in, and looking for the opportunity, wanting it. And so he says, I can't. I can't get to the water. 
And so the Bible says that Jesus told him in verse 8, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. And instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. I want you to remember that verse. He, he rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. In other words, you have no right to pick up that mat that you're holding. You're breaking the law, the religious rules. The law doesn't allow for you to carry that sleeping mat. But he replied, the man who healed me told me, pick up your mat and walk. Who said such a thing as that, they demanded. The man didn't know for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. But afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, now you are well. So stop sinning or something else, something even worse may happen to you. And then that man went and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who healed him. So I want to stop right there and I want us to think about this for a moment. What's going on here? We read of the life account of a man who had lived with the daily tension between wanting to walk, but settling for the terms of life dictated by his past and his current circumstances. Every day, every day, for as many, we don't know how many years, but for a long time, this guy, for 38 years as a matter of fact, we do know that, but every day his lifeless legs were a reminder that he was always intended to walk. And yet he couldn't. He couldn't. He lived with the frustration of what was his current state and the desire of what he knew he was supposed to be doing. And on a typical day in his life where he longed for the possible and hoped for miraculous change, he's laying down once again with lifeless legs. And he's struggling with this desire of wanting to get healed, of wanting to walk. And in the midst of this tension, God shows up. Jesus shows up. And he asks him, do you want to be made well? You know, in other words, Jesus says to him, do you want to change? Do you want the change that you've been longing for? Question, do you want the change that you've been longing for? Do you want to get past those areas that keep you stuck, that impact your marriage, that cause tension with your children, those character flaws where you fly off the handle with your words? Or you act in ways that you know are unbecoming of who you are as a child of God and you say, I won't do it again and you find yourself there again? Do you want to get past those habits, those, those worries, those struggles, those things that you keep doing that you know are inconsistent with God's word and you know limit you? Do you want to get past your fears and all those things? Do you want to get past those things? Because Jesus says, do you want to be made well? Do you want to change? Do you want that change? 
Do you want to see this be done and over with in your life? Based on this man's response, according to this account, we see a couple of things about his predicament. We see that he was depending on a system outside of God's kingdom for change. Listen, his hope was in how everybody else was getting their healing. It worked for you that way, so I'll just sit here for the next couple of years and hope and a pray and a wish that it works for me one day. Well, that went over. Well. <laughs> His hope was in how people went about achieving their own healing and change. And the truth is that if we're not careful, we do that too. We look to the left and we look to the right and we say, well, it worked for him that way. Dr. Phil says this. Dr. Oz says that. Oprah said this. Pastor such and such said that. Prophet Bucket Mouth says that. And we judge it based upon somebody else's change. But you got to remember that the word of God says that we must all work out our own salvation. You got to work it out and you got to walk it out. We all have to do that. See, it's when we seek to achieve God's system of change through man's system of of achievement that we find ourselves struggling. You know what I mean by that? You know God has a better way. You can quote it. You know the stories. And yet, while you know what the word of God says, for some of us, we struggle because we are still trying to achieve it in our power. It's like we're trying to assist God to cause the change in us. If you missed last week, listen to it. Let God's word work in you. Let the Holy Spirit do what he does best. Lead you, teach you, comfort you, strengthen you. See, things like self-help, positive thinking, striving to do good things without God, who is the author of all that is good, grinding to provide for ourselves instead of looking to God as our provider and his system of provision, none of those things work, ladies and gentlemen. They do not work. We assume the role of God when we try and do that. We assume the place of the Holy Spirit in our lives when we do that. It's not our lane. Something else that we see from this man's response that we can glean is that he knew change was possible. It's the reason why he was there. But he made himself comfortable in his limited condition. He based his response to God on what he saw and how many times people had let him down. Can I tell you something? You were a Christian. And maybe you don't know Jesus. This applies to all of us, really. If we base our confidence in change based upon what people say or do, if we look to the limits of life, the conditions that we're going in, while wanting change but trusting in those conditions, let me give you an example. My fear, my anxiety, 
my lack, my sickness. You know what we're literally saying? I own it. It's mine. It's a part of who I am. And so this guy, while understanding that change is possible, has bought into his limits. And he says, you don't understand, Jesus. My limp legs. I can't get there. And no one who, who even considers picking me up can get me into the water in time. So you see, it's hopeless, but I'm still hanging on for hope. It's a paradox. It, it, it's, it, it doesn't fit. It's like putting a square peg into a round hole. That does not work. While desiring to wholeheartedly walk, he made himself comfortable on his mat. Let me prove it to you. Listen, this guy was so comfortable on his mat. Jesus tells him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. In other words, he's saying, listen, get rid of that mat. You get up, do what I say you can do. And he gets up and he takes the mat. He, he picks it up. He, he started off right, but then he leaves with it. Like he needed it. He leaves with it. He leaves with it. This is disturbing. And yet it's common in our lives if we're not careful. God, I believe you that you've healed me. But you know, my leg and my back and my arthritis and my this and my, my lack and my struggles and, and my, 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 that does not work. And so he takes his sleeping mat with him. He takes the very thing that he depended on to remain grounded in his limited state. He takes it with him as if he needs it after having received the wings with which to rise from his paralysis. And what's interesting is this, that at face value it would seem that this man was healed. I mean, after all, he did get up and walk, right? He's healed. But verse 14 shows us differently. Notice that afterwards, Jesus comes around again and he says to him, you are well. But then he says to him, so stop sinning or something worse will happen. See, Jesus gets to the core issue of what's necessary for living in the fullness of God's kingdom. He tells him to not go back to the system by which his life was defined previously. Can I say something to you all? I'm going to take a quick survey and I'm going to ask you all to participate. How many of you know Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior? Raise your hand. Raise, raise your hand. Don't be ashamed of that. Raise your hand. Okay, that's everyone. All right. We're, we're amongst family. Praise God. That's awesome. So let me tell you something. The Bible says that you have been made righteous. The Bible says that sin is not your issue. The Bible says that you are a saint. You're not a sinner saved by grace. You were a sinner, but you are now a new creation in Christ. The old is passed away. Behold, all things are now become new. You are holy. You are accepted. 
You are chosen. That's what God's word says. Not my opinion. Now I know for some of us, we struggle with that because religion told us differently. And we buy into the lie and so we'd rather be this poor, humble, not worthy. I'm, I'm, I'm nothing in your... Can I say something with all due respect? How dare we say that based upon the price that Jesus paid? How dare we even believe that? He prayed. He paid too much, a high, too much of a high price for us. For us to say we're not worthy. We were unworthy when we were apart from the kingdom. You are worth everything that God paid now in the kingdom of God. And so listen, this guy receives his healing. And Jesus says to him, don't go back to where you were before. Don't go back to that mindset. Don't go back to those habits. Don't go back to that lifestyle. Don't go back because you can't move forward while looking backwards. See, his victory wasn't in overcoming the paralysis of his legs. His victory lied in overcoming the system of paralysis by which he came to live life apart from God. It was what he was bringing with him from the past that threatened his ability to continue in what the kingdom of God provided for him. Man, oh man, oh man, oh man. I want to read something to you real quick because I'm short on time. In Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to look at verses 17 through 32. I'm just going to dive right in just for the sake of time. This is the Apostle Paul speaking by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says, with the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do. In other words, don't live as people apart from God. For they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they, they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against Him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure. That's just simply talking about strong desires that we give into. Strong desires. It could be a strong desire for money. It could be a strong desire for sex. It can be a strong desire for, for drugs. It can be a strong desire for anger. It can be a strong desire for worry. It can be whatever. He says, they live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. I'm just going to stop right there. I'm not even going to read the rest. I'm not going to read the rest. There's no need to. And I want you to see something here. We see here that as believers and children in the kingdom of God, we all face the tension between two worlds. The choice of what we knew and the choice of a true kingdom. Paul says that the former life, the former way of thinking, the former way of believing, the former way of, of approaching life, that it is deceitful. 
It is darkness. It is void of truth. And he says, but you haven't come to know God that way. In other words, nothing that you knew from before gave you the knowledge of God that you have now. None of that made you righteous. None of that makes you holy. None of that makes you chosen by God. None of that plays a part. And so here's what he's saying. Why are you still living that life? Why are you still buying into those mindsets? Why are you still keeping some of these people around you? That's not who you are, he's saying. It's not how this works. See, life apart from God leads to decline. It leads to a life controlled by by deceitful pleasures instead of truth. And it opens doors for Satan to have entrance into our lives. If you read straight through the rest, I don't have time for that right now. But if you read through the rest of uh, Ephesians chapter 4 from 17 to 32, he literally enlightens us and says, hey, don't participate with the enemy here. Don't make a way for him. He talks about anger. He talks about uh, 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 sexual morality. He talks about uh, wrong choices. He, He talks about belief systems. And he says, let all that go. Do away with that. He says, instead, put on this new nature. You know what he's saying? He's saying, this is already yours. You might as well wear it. You might as well live according to it. That makes sense? And so as long as you're thinking and believing according to an old set of beliefs, you can't live a new life. We can't do it. We can't do it. And so in verse 23 of Ephesians 4, God says this to us. He says, instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. He cautions us not to live according to what is normal and acceptable amongst people today. You know, in my family, there used to be this saying, my mother's maiden name is Garcia. Garcia. Um, The correct way to say it is Garcia, not Garcia. (laughs) Whatever. Anyway. Um, But there used to be this saying in my family, um, Nosotros, Garcia, somos bravos. Basically, I'll I'll translate that for you, brother. No worries. Us Garcias, we are hot-headed. Some of you have been around for a while. You might know this about me, but anger was one of my biggest issues growing up. These were my response to anger. In every way. Short fuse quick with my words, quicker with my hands. And it got me into a lot of issues in life at a very young age. Brought me to places I never thought that I would find myself in. Brought me face to face with some really, really great dangers in life. Tell you something about your pastor. Don't let the title fool you. I understand the grace of God because God literally took me from under the barrel. And one of the things that I marvel at about God is that, man, he, when I think back 
on rare occasions. When I look back, I can't even understand how I came to think and believe the things that I, the way that I did. I, I just, I, I don't understand how someone could get to that point. I don't understand how I got to that point. And yet, I know this. That the key determining factor to my decline for many years as a young man and even into my young adulthood years before I really came back to the things of God and began to understand his word was this. What made the difference in my life was I began to understand God and his kingdom and his love and his ways. But guess what? When I began to understand them, I didn't just, it wasn't just some extra information. No, this truth began to replace what I once thought and believed. Ladies and gentlemen, God wants to change every aspect of our lives and he has done that in Christ. But it's according to the knowledge of Christ and God's kingdom ways that we can begin to let go of the old and experience the change that we have so longed for in various areas of our lives. So for these last minutes, I want to give you just three little things about letting go, about this process of change. First Peter chapter, uh, chapter 5, verses 6 through 9 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Notice that God's plan, his purposes is always to lift you up. But notice what it takes. It takes you and I humbling ourselves. Let me break that down for you in simple terms. It takes us getting past our prideful ways where we say, I got this. I can do this. I'll change this. And in essence, what we're saying is, God, I don't need you. He says, no, humble yourselves. Under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due times. Stop trying to do the lifting on your own. Let God do what he does best. Let him change your heart. Let him change your understanding. Let him change the path that you're on as we discover his ways. So in verse 7 he says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert. And of sober mind, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking for someone to devour. He goes on to say, resist them, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Listen, one of the oldest tricks in Satan's book of tactics is to seek out the one who is separate from the fold of believers. The Holy Spirit is very wise in the words that he chooses. He tells us that our enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. There's one thing about lions. They don't hunt for the strongest. They look for the weakest in the pack. They look for areas of weakness. They look for the one that's lagging just a bit has a certain limp. And they go after those areas. And so 
The Apostle Peter, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says to us, Be sober-minded. Be alert. In other words, don't overlook these little areas in your life. Don't overlook these trouble spots. You know what the Bible says about little things? Those little foxes it causes. It says that it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. There are little things that the enemy seeks to infiltrate and expose. And what we should do is be alert. Be alert. And you know what? Get past our prideful way and see God's way according to the kingdom. This truths in this word that give us the answers to overcoming those vices, those, those things that bring challenges in our life. The truth is this, that life outside God's kingdom enslaves us to our past. It enslaves us to our past. Put it to you another way. When you do it your way or someone else's way, instead of what God's word declares, God's way, it's only leading us to one direction. Our past, our former life, our former way of thinking. You know why I say that? Because it leads us to depend on something else besides God. And the Bible says that that equates to death. In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve. That's simply talking about experiencing what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. The man who wrote these words by inspiration of God was a guy named Paul. This is the same guy who declares that we're saved solely by God's grace. And that the power of sin has been done away with in our lives. And yet I want you to consider something that God reveals to us through this man, Paul. He says that our proper worship, our true and proper worship is to daily offer these bodies as a sacrifice. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't know that I've ever actually witnessed a sacrifice. But I would imagine that no sacrifice goes to an altar to be sacrificed willingly. It doesn't go, yep, here I am, take me. And you know, these bodies of ours and the struggle between what was and what truly is in Christ, at times we can wrestle with those desires. And this is the same guy that says, Paul, who says, I crucify my flesh, he says. My point with that is simply this, that daily... What we do daily with our lives matters. On a daily basis, there are times when we're going to face desires that are inconsistent with God's word. You got to remember something. That's the old man. That's not who you are. And the reason why it comes up is this. It's because we remember. Or 
we're thinking on it too much. And so he's not talking about us giving something up so that we can be made right with God. He's talking about giving those things up so that we can enjoy what we already have in Christ. He says, listen, present your body. And then he says this. Take this mind of yours and don't let it fall into the mold of this world. But instead, experience transformation. Watch this. He says, change by the renewing of your mind. The renewing of our minds. See, it's not just about our actions. As we see here, transformation, change comes through a renewal of our beliefs and what we think on. It's training and understanding in that which is truly good and pleasing and perfect and perfected in God's kingdom. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5, and I close with this. He says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Put that to you another way. Those things that have a strong hold on your mind, on your heart, in your life, in your home. In those places where nobody else sees but you and God. He says, we demolish arguments. And every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Listen, to overcome a kingdom and its influence, it takes a stronger one. Let me tell you what I mean here. In order to overcome the system by which we lived apart from God, it takes us taking a hold of God's kingdom ways because his ways are truly better. His ways are truly higher. His thoughts are not our thoughts and his ways are not our, are, are not our ways. Listen, the change that he brings is higher than the change we try to make on our own. Paul starts off here by saying, listen, we're in a fight. And the way we fight this fight is not by physical means. We don't fight the way this world does. We don't try and prove our point. You know what? We don't try to self-help ourselves. We don't try to just think happy thoughts and just wish it all away. Just be feel good. Do some psychology. Let's take all these therapeutical concepts above the word of God. He says, that's not how we fight. It's not how we win. He says, no. He tells us how we do this. In verse 5, can we please put that back up again? He says this, we demolish arguments 
and every pretension. You know what he's identifying there? The core issue at work, the key thing that is continually bringing an onslaught against us, it's thoughts and pretensions that raise themselves up above the knowledge of God. Above God's word. Anything that we exalt above God's word leads to our demise. And so he says, the way we fight, we take those lies. We take those pretensions that exalt themselves up and say, here's a better way than God's system. He says, no, we take those things and we arrest them. We take them captive. And watch how we take them captive. We bring them to the obedience of Christ. You know what he's saying there? He's saying we bring them into subjection to the truth that we know in Christ. God's word is true and this is a lie. And I will not accept that thought. I will not accept that behavior. I will not accept that anger. I will not accept that hurt. To tear those things down, to experience change, we have to do something with God's word. It has to be exalted as truth above everything else. Not just the final authority, the only authority. You know, a police officer can't make an arrest without a law that gives him the right to. I want you to know something, child of God. God's word gives you the authority to take every thought into captivity and to tear it down. It has no place in your life. God's kingdom gives us all that we need for the change we desire. It empowers us to transition from what limited us to what gives us life without limits. You can have all the change that the word of God declares. It is yours. It is ours. It's our right in the kingdom. And this kingdom of God makes change possible. People of God, you got to let go of that mat. You don't need that old mindset. You don't need that old way of thinking. You don't need those old belief systems. You don't need them. They kept you grounded. Jesus says, rise up. Take that mat, get rid of it. And begin to walk. Take hold of your change. Let's rise. Heavenly Father, tonight we come to you. Tonight. Today. (laughs) Heavenly Father, today we come to you in the precious and mighty name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that you love us enough not to leave us where we once were. And that you give us the keys, the recipe, the ingredients, the plan, the details. To walk in the change that you've made possible in Christ. Lord, today I thank you that the the eyes and the hearts and the minds of your people are opened by the truth of this word. Your word. And in the very words of Jesus in John 8, 32. As we know the truth. Because today your people know the truth. Lord, I thank you that they are free. They are free. They are free. Say that with me. I'm free. free. 
Say that with me. I'm free. I'm free. Listen, God has done a complete work in Christ and he has given you everything you need to walk in the change that he's provided in this new kingdom. The old is gone. The new has come. Walk in your freedom. Walk in your destiny. Walk in your calling. Don't let anything keep you grounded ever again. We thank you for that this day, Lord. Because you've made it available in Christ. We love you and we praise you.